1104, Dr. Payne Show, ready to roll. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. Bring it on. How are you feeling, pal? Feeling good. Yeah? Yeah. My wife's, we're, we're expecting overdue? our first child, overdue? so she's overdue. Jeez. So How's the so stress anxious. level? Now you're uh, yeah, I, no, stress is okay. It's just yeah. it's getting to the point where we're anxious, right? We want to yeah. meet this little baby and whatnot. But You think you do. How about your wife? Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Why is it always more about the wife and not why do oh, I? Oh, I don't not know. Matter? She's had a second human inside her for nine months, maybe. <laughs> true. Yeah, but I've been taking care of both of those humans. That's true. You wait. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You wait. I know. You I wait, know. son. This is the easy part for you. Have no I gray hair yet. Yeah, I do. Still I look got young. Some. I got some, but it definitely, definitely going to change. What else is going on? Uh, so this, so I really want to start the show by talking about our new clinic out in Brampton. Yep. Beautiful. Um, I think it's important. It's a great model of care for people, uh, especially living in that area. So it's uh, mm-hmm. it's on Mississauga Road, just north of Steeles. The yeah. actual street is called Montpellier. Um, it's walk-in clinic, family pra- practice specialist, the rehab center, of course, pharmacy, uh, lab, all. A one-stop one stop shop. So so if you're living out in that area, the, the Brampton West area, Georgetown, Milton, um, and are looking for a great pr- place to have all of your healthcare needs taken care of, um, definitely give me a call because we're the family doctors are accepting new patients and, and those things fill up quickly, right? We no all kidding. know um, it's it's a large space. It's about 11,000 square feet. So it's, it's a facility designed to essentially accommodate all of your needs when it comes to health care. Right. Um, and not to mention that the people that are there are exceptional people. All of the, the healthcare practitioners are um, uh, incredible and, and good, hardworking people that, that genuinely care. And that's, mm-hmm. that's an important thing. But it's a it's a great model because and and this is a lot of the models that I've I've created I I really try to have that multidisciplinary approach right. um, and I think it's very important that you find these types of centers where you can get all of those needs um, in one place and and the important part about that is the communication between the professionals and a lot of the times the lack of communication between professionals is really what prevents a patient's prognosis or yep. their likelihood that they're going to get better. Um, and so it's very nice when, and, and I'm not the only one doing these models. These models exist uh, in a lot of places, but that multifaceted approach uh, is extremely important for when, when you're looking for your good, good appropriate healthcare needs. And so, um, you know, again, if you're out in that Brampton West location, uh, Milton, Georgetown area, and you're looking for a, a place for all your healthcare needs, you, you have to give me a call. Um, I'll point you in the right direction for the right people, depending on what you need. And uh, I, I think you'll be very happy. Good. You're just getting started, really. You're going to do this again. I know you will. As far oh, as yeah. this type yeah, of yeah, care yeah. Will, no, there, right? there's, It's needed, that's why. Yeah, it's it's definitely needed. This we, I mean, we have a large network already, but uh, this is something new, and, and we w- definitely wanted to talk about it today. Um, to to promote it essentially, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's brand brand new. Typically, I've taken over clinics that are existing. Right. Um, I I very rarely have done. Actually, I've never done a clinic from scratch. Um, so it's it's been an interesting journey. But uh, the nice thing about starting from scratch is you really create it the way that you want. The right. the issue that I found with taking over clinics that have existed, although it's great because there's already a patient base and and you can go in. Uh, but people get stuck in their bad habits, and mm-hmm. not not the pa- not on the patient side of things, but on the procedural side of things. 
um, and and I really want to put my vision into something and, and see it work a certain way. And so when you're when you're taking over something, you're often also taking over the good and the bad, yep. or, or well, not the sure. bad, but the things that are maybe not as ideal as I would like them to be. And I may be wrong, right? I'm not saying my point of view is more right. It's just whoever was the previous owner was seeing it a certain way. Uh, but you know, this is the model that I'm trying to build: uh, the multidisciplinary, multifaceted approach to. Um, all different types of healthcare needs, because um, I mean, the research is is there to support that that's what works. And so, uh, yeah, it's been an interesting journey, and I'm I'm very excited, and I think it'll be great for that community. Anything interesting walk through the door this week? You want to talk about? Um, this week, I actually I actually had off for my yeah. wife because this is when she was uh, expected. However, I have sure. had a, a lot of emails, and I actually just received one and. And I don't, it, the person mentioned it was confidential, so I won't go into too much detail because I don't want to breach um, th- this person's privacy. But essentially, she, this person was saying that she came across me on the internet. She didn't actually, she's never heard the show and she okay. listened to the show and she's been listening on the Global News website where the podcasts are. Um, and she really said that she really enjoyed my my approach to healthcare and, and the things that I said resonated with her. Um, and and this isn't something new. This is what I hear when people come in to see me. It's just simply because whatever I'm saying is resonating with with what they're thinking, and it's making sense to them. And that's always what I've said should be your indicator to whether you're seeing the right professional or not. So if you're seeing somebody and you're not having that feeling that yeah, everything that this person is saying is making sense, right. and and it's sort of I agree with. If you don't if you don't have that type of feeling, you're probably in the wrong place. And even worse, if you feel like there's red flags because there's a lot of healthcare practitioners out there, you know, doing the wrong things, um, then then definitely get out of there. But if if you've heard what I've had to say over the years, um, especially here on this platform on Global News, um, and and it really hits home with the way you're thinking or it makes sense, then you need to come see me. And I, and I get all kinds of people that say I've been listening for a long time and I've been meaning to, to come there for my ankle, my knee, whatever it may be, yep. and I'm finally getting around to it. The one thing I, I still want to get across, um, and it's probably the most important message that I, that I have on the show, is that you need to intervene early. When you wait a long time, that's when it becomes more difficult. And Tell so, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're the you're a perfect example. Um, but you need to intervene as soon as possible. You need to be doing the right things as soon as possible. And the only reason why that is, is for you. If you do that, you are more likely to potentially get rid of the issue, maybe not completely, but very much, or at least have it in, in a very manageable state. Mm-hmm. It is always harder. It doesn't mean it's impossible to help manage someone else's issues, but definitely much harder when you when you have people that have the chronic issues. Right. Um, and we're here to help those things as well. But I think with this platform that I have here, what it, what's important if you're listening, if you feel things... And it's early. Don't say, ah, it's, it'll go away. I'm, I'm going to leave it. No, this is when you intervene. It's very, very important. We'll take a, a short break in that regard. Bring it on. Your phone calls, you have uh, pain questions, health questions. That's uh, why we're here till till 12 o'clock. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. It's a Dr. Payne Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. 1115, lots of time. Open lines, 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell. Bring it on. You have uh, pain questions at all. That's uh, that's why we do this hour each and every Saturday. Car accidents. Yes. Oh. Yeah, and I wanted to talk about that yeah. this week, especially with the the weather, and mm-hmm. and it's unfortunate, um, but it is the time of year where these things are. I mean, car accidents happen all all times of the year, but definitely more prevalent. Um, 
If you've been hurt in a car accident, uh, you need to start therapy. Believe me when I tell you, we we also run a, a medical assessment business where we essentially see um, people who are hurt in car accidents after a long period of time uh, to conduct uh, what are called independent medical evaluations. Yep. And we do it both on the plaintiff and defense side of things. So we see both sides. But the point of why I raise that is not not for the legal side of things, but I see how many people develop chronicity out of their car accident. And I also see how many people go get treatment and it's the wrong type of treatment. There's very much a protocol that should be followed with okay. the with the simple strain sprains. Obviously, when you're dealing with fractures, things like that, the serious stuff, there this isn't I we deal with all things, but definitely the vast majority of car accidents are the simple sprain sprains and uh, the soft tissue injuries. And people think those are just things that will go away or they go to clinics where they're just slapping machines on them and not making them do the exercise component. Believe me, you will regret that. And I am telling you that firsthand because of what I've seen in clinical practice, yep. what I've seen in my businesses when we deal with these IMEs. If you are not following the appropriate protocol after a car accident, it's a very sad state of affairs in the long term because even a, a small fender bender, when you consider, like if you said, oh, I was rear-ended at, what, 40 kilometers an that's hour. A huge that's a lot trauma. of force. That is a lot of force. Like sometimes people like in MMA sports get hit in the head and that can cause problems for the rest of their lives. Imagine a car at 40 kilometers an hour at, what, 1,200 pounds, 1,300 pounds, depending on the car, hitting you. You, you think that that's not a significant impact on your body. You're crazy if you think that. Trust me. Even if you think you feel fine, go do the right exercises. Yeah. Go do the right rehab program. You will be very happy that you took my advice on this. 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell. John, good morning. Hi. How are you? Uh, not bad. Okay. What's up? Uh, better safe than sorry, I want to ask. Um, I'm diabetic. I am not blind, but I have diabetic retinopathy. Yeah, it's not clear skies. There's fog in my eyes. It's irritating. Okay, can anything be done? Well, have you seen an optometrist or an ophthalmologist about this? I have. Um, unfortunately, I'm only 62. If mm. I was 65, OHIP would be covering. I'm not. I have to pay dish out three thousand dollars a month, fifteen hundred per eye to get one injection. Mm-hmm. I deep down, I don't think it works. Well, um, other methods, natural path, um, um, controlled voltage or stem cells. Like I've been doing research on the on the computer and so on. I want to know if you people know anything. What do you mean, you people? Like, do I know anything about this? I'm not an optometrist or an ophthalmologist, so no, I, I don't specialize in these things. Okay. But what I can tell you is that you need to be seeing that type of professional for this type of issue. Um, and also when you say these other things, like potentially stem cells. Stem or, cells, uh, controlled. So just patients. let me finish my thought, please. Okay. So when you say those other things, there's going to be a cost to those things as well. Yep. Okay. And those are not things that are free. And and I mean, I, I get it, people. Like, when it comes to healthcare, though, I don't think you can be putting a price on these things. Okay. Um, and I think it's very important that, you know, I, I'm sure if you ask people that have let things go the wrong way uh, because of money, they'll tell you that if they can go back, they would they'd find a way to get the money somehow in order to pay for those for these types of procedures and my recommendation would be that if you have that diabetic retinopathy that the most ideal people to be seeing are an optometrist or an ophthalmologist and i'm not sure what the pricing is of those things because 
that's not the world I deal in when it comes to healthcare. Uh, but there are the people that are the experts that would know the very best. And and even if there was something else that they could do, a naturopathic treatment, a stem cell treatment, I'm sure that they would recommend it. But Remember, as practitioners, our job is to make evidence-based informed decisions for the patient and to recommend the things that have the most clinical scientific evidence. And a lot of the these things, stem cells and whatnot, they don't have that research, and that's why they're not readily available, and that's why they're not done all the time. It may very well work. We don't know that yet, but it's not something we could jump to. So uh, I think your best bet is to listen to the professionals on this. Um, and and do the treatment that's required before that retinopathy potentially leads to something like blindness because that's unfortunately now let me ask you another question is oh, your blood sugar him. controlled oh, we lost him oh if you okay disconnected so if it, it's getting the diabetes in, in check too right well potentially now at right. a certain point the retinopathy so diabetic retinopathy is this is a similar thing to the neuropathy that we've talked mm-hmm. about where blood sugar high levels of blood sugar are overall corrosive to the body that's why these things happen that's why people with diabetes that are uncontrolled develop retinopathies neuropathies which retinopathy just means pathology of the retina which is a component of your eye neuropathy means pathology of the nerves um but the underlying cause is the blood sugar. So also obviously keeping, uh, it's incredible how many people I've met that are diabetic in practice. And do you have your diabetes controlled? And they say yes, but then you ask them about their diet and they're eating yeah. all the wrong things. Yeah. It's like they just rely on the medicine. You need to do the right things as well. Get that keto happening. Well, there's an angle. 416-870-6400-STAR-640 <laughs> on sale. Lots of time, lots of room for you to call in as well, Sharon. We'll get to you after a break and you as well, hopefully here on the Dr. Payne Show. Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. 416-870-6400-STAR-640 on sale. Sharon, thank you for hanging on. How are you? Hi. Uh, I may be a bit nervous. That's no worries. It's okay. It's okay. Just but, talking to us. I, I've listened to you every chance I get. Great. Thank you. That's very and nice. And I, um, I, I realize you really gave good advice. Thank you. Um, I had a surgery and I mean, I had an injury on June 2017. Okay. Of uh, this been, past year? Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I've been feeling pain um, ever since. I decided to have this surgery on September 14, 2018. So, 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 Sharon, sorry, what is what was this for? What did you hurt? For my shoulder. Okay, and then you had surgery in June for this. Do you know what the exact injury was to the shoulder? It's um, well, it's a tear. A tear in the rotator cuff. Okay. Yeah. And then you had the surgery, and you're still feeling. Did you have pain prior to the surgery? I had pain prior. I didn't. I hold on and having it surgery because my doctor told me it wasn't guaranteed. Right. But when I realized I could, I still couldn't do the stuff I normally do at work or mm-hmm. at home. Then I, I said, you know, this is it. I'm gonna have the surgery. I'm gonna try it. Now, prior, let me ask you something. Prior to the surgery, did you have a problem with the motion in your arm? Like, was your range of motion limited? Yeah, I, I couldn't put my arm up. And and what about now? I can put it up with pain. Yeah. So but when he did the surgery, there was frozen. Right. So so that's that's a very very important thing that I don't think is is communicated enough when it comes to surgery. Surgery is very good for the improvement of function, and and that's the right reason to be doing surgery. 
it is the wrong approach when it comes to just pain. So if you ask me, if you prior to this surgery had limited function and pain, and now you have better function, but still have pain, that to me is still considered successful because it's mainly for the function that is most important. It's often not a good approach for pain management because pain can be caused due to a lot of other things. Now, I have two other questions for you. One, did you do any type of therapy prior to the surgery? And second question, did you do any therapy after the surgery? Yes, I did prior, before the surgery, I had been going physio. Good, okay. And uh, after the surgery, I continue going physio, which I am right now. Okay, and what are they doing with you at physio? So I'm do I'm working with occupational therapy and also the physiotherapist. Mm-hmm. I I felt like I saw like thirty percent uh, better. Okay. Um, I say thirty percent because I feel the pain every night. Still, I feel pins and needles. I feel burning. Right. So when I do anything like any movements, like when I try to you know dress or anything, mm-hmm. I feel I feel the pain still. Okay. So I, I think I think it sounds like you did a lot of the right things. Like I was saying, though, a lot of the time surgery is not the right protocol for the elimination of pain. But I think what you should do is come see me for an assessment and, and let's take a look at the shoulder closely and figure out. Because a lot of the times when it comes to pain, the pain that you feel in an area may not necessarily be due to the injury uh, specifically that occurred, but could also be due to other muscles and structures that need to compensate. So um, I think you need to come in. We can uh, uh, take a look at it. And from there, we can determine what the best approach going forward is to help you with the pain. Because I'm seeing um, the specialist that did the surgery. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, he's very good. Yep. Like, I am seeing him right now. Um, but, you know, I'm just, I'm just wondering, I'm just wanting to know, is it normal for me to feel this type of pain, like pins it, and needles constantly, and feel pain every day after the surgery? It's a hard question to answer. Is it normal to feel pain? Yes. Is it normal to feel pain? No, right? Like, right. yes and no, because pain is a very important uh, aspect of us being human, it, it gives us an information um, to withdraw and to take care of ourselves. Is it normal to feel prolonged pain uh, when there, when the injury should be healed? No, and that's why that's why there's a whole branch of of medicine um, related to pain management. So it's a it's a hard way for me to answer it. I can't. I, I'd have to see you in order to determine what exactly is causing your pain because I'm not sure based on this conversation, what what the pain-generating source of, of your shoulder is. Okay, Sharon? Okay. Okay, I'm going to leave you a, a number to to call as well. one 855 doctor Lou D-R-L-O-U. one 855 doctor Lou D-R-L-O-U. Make that phone call. Get a hold of the, uh, the good doc here. And move on from there. Still plenty of time for you. The lines are open and ready. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. Dr. Payne Show, right till 12 o'clock. Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. 1132 and 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. You have questions about pain, about uh, a physical issue. That's, uh, That's why we're here every weekend. Bring them on. Lines are open. Can you just cut off my arm, please? Where do you want it amputated? Uh, shoulder. 
or neck. But we just said or that. Or from the neck we, down. We just said that surgery <laughs> That's right. is not necessary. This is removal. This yeah. isn't surgery. Yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> well, the, removal is a type of surgery. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, but that's Good an times. important point uh, yeah. with Sharon that we that we brought up there that surgery should very much be something that you opt for and mo- and most surgeons will will recommend it mainly for function. Um but if it's just simply pain now in in her in her scenario she had both. Um and I think it's it's also the the point that this needs to be communicated to people that you know this will be very good for the function of your shoulder. So if you've got limited you know, abduction or flexion, whatever um, range it is, you know, with the surgery, we can likely improve that. But pain levels, pain is so subjective. It's it's really hard to say what happens to people following uh, that. It's even something like a knee replacement. Now, a lot of the times around osteoarthritis of the knee, a lot of the pain is due to the swelling within the knee. Okay. But a lot of the times, the reason for surgery is also function. They can't walk anymore. They can't move. A lot of people following a knee replacement might very well say, well, I can definitely walk, but I still have pain. Well, again, it's not always, it is not the best solution for pain. It's, it's not even close to the best solution, uh, but it's definitely a good solution if there's a problem fun- with function that can't be changed with just manual medicine and physical therapy. Then, then you need to, to use uh, surgery. But it's very important that people who are considering surgery make sure that they understand that point, that, that this may very well help, again, with the function of the problem that you have, but it may not necessarily help your pain. But it may, but it may not. They're That's, mutually exclusive, basically. There's no guarantee that you're going to get both for, for the one, right? No. And, and, yeah. and again, I guess it also depends on what's creating the pain, right? So, so if you give the example that you've got, um, you know, an osteophyte on a nerve and that's causing burning pain down your arm, for example, well then, yeah, moving the, the outcome of that surgery is to remove the osteophyte to, to eliminate that nerve pressure. Right. But that doesn't mean you may not feel some generalized soreness still and other things that revolve around that. Your body, once your body goes into pain, it responds in so many different ways. And then we move on to, as an issue becomes chronic, uh, the component of learn pain. Yep. Although it may not be there, uh, physically, you can still feel pain. And, and again, the example that I always go back to is the phantom limb issue, where people who have lost a limb for whatever reason can still feel something happening in that limb. Um, and that very much shows us that this isn't this, that pain is not just something that happens in the body. In fact, it doesn't happen in the body at all. It happens in your brain. There's a message. All that we sense in our bodies is what's called nociception or an uncomfortable stimuli. That needs to be taken back to the brain, and that information needs to be processed, and that will give us a response. Um, it's the very reason why with spinal cord victims, you could light their foot on fire, for example, and they wouldn't know right. because you wouldn't be able to feel anything because there's, there's a se- the, the, the area that communicates in the spinal cord is severed. And so that, that tells us that pain is not something you feel in your body. It's an experience that happens right. in your brain. Um, and, and that's an important component to understand around pain management, because once you can appreciate that component, if you're living with any type of chronic pain issue and you can understand this basic concept that pain is created in the mind and not in the body, you'll start to understand why people will tell you, but there's no physical problem left. And a lot of the times the definition of chronic pain in certain patients is the absence of a physical problem. 
So the physical issue is gone. They may have had a physical issue, but it's then gone, and there's still a response, a pain response. Okay. And that has to do with, with pain being learned. It's still a neural pathway. The same thing, the same way we've learned to do everything else through our lives. You can, you've learned to walk, to eat, to breathe. Well, not to breathe, but to breathe and eat at the same time. You learn all of these things. You don't think about it anymore. Pain becomes the same way. You can just have that learned component, which is why part of that multifaceted approach to pain management also includes um, the the psychosocial treatments, uh, the cognitive behavior therapies. And that doesn't mean you'll eliminate it, but it's also one big component of cognitive behavior therapy is also acceptance. And a lot of people that are living with their chronic pain issues um, haven't accepted that this is just what they have. Right. And I think once you can accept it, it, it provides a certain amount of relief to understand, okay, this is it. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. You have chronic pain. Accept it and move forward. Let's manage it so that you can live your lives. Do you think that's, uh, you know, the, the gap between surgery and relief of pain? Is that a large reason why there's been a drastic reduction in back surgeries? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So once upon a time, back surgeries were done for pain, right? More so, and 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 we and we've seen the outcome of what's happened after all of those surgeries. So uh, yeah, definitely spine-related surgery is very much reserved when there's a serious problem with function. So you can have a very bad disc herniation, um, but unless it's causing you a functional problem or you can't move or anything like that, no one's going to intervene. But a lot of people have disc herniations that provide you know some you know subjective numbness and tingling, uh, very hard to objectify on proper neurological tests. And so surgery is not the right, not the right answer. And I mean, spine surgery is no, no, no no simple matter like that. That's as, as difficult as it gets. And so you definitely want to be intervening when it's most necessary. And there's been a lot of failed back surgeries over the years. And that's why it's less and less prevalent because we know it works. It works for the people who it's meant for, it will work very well if you need it. Uh, but there's a lot of people who just want to have spine surgery because they have a little bit of pain. That's not the reason why you do spine surgery. Absolutely not. You know, and it's, and it's funny because I know you've mentioned several times, even on, um, you know, MRIs or X, x-rays or other that you've seen stuff where people have, you know, disc issues or facet joints. And it's like, this is not causing you any pain. Like even you're surprised that this isn't causing pain. It, oh, it yeah. looks like it would, but yeah. it doesn't. It yeah. just tells you right there. We right? call them incidental findings. So yeah. we'll send people for some type of x-ray or imaging or whatnot. And you end up seeing something that you think like, wow, you know, in, in someone else's case, this, this would Crippling. really hurt. Yeah. Like there's been people where you, I've seen severe degeneration in their spines and their knees, and and it's not the root cause of their wow, pain. Yeah, I'm in kidding. their hips, and uh, less likely when you get to the extremities, though, especially hips and knees. Severe osteoarthritis is often the cause of the pain, uh, but in the spine, no, it's it's hmm. it's incredible. I've seen I've also seen people that have a tremendous amount of pain, and you send them for imaging, and everything's as perfect as you can imagine. Like it's it's textbook normal. And it's like, okay, well, what's going on That here? sucks for a practitioner because they're looking for you for answers. They're desperate. And they well, no, know. no, it doesn't suck because if you're a good practitioner, you'll mm. understand that a lot of the times when it comes to mechanical issues in the spine, it's simply due to deconditioning of muscles and tissues um, and that they're just not working properly. And that's a good thing. If you have you know, chronic issues, you want them to be mechanical because that's the easiest thing to manage. You don't want these serious things yeah. because those are very hard to manage. 
Or just in my case, you just told me to amputate from the neck down. So you said it yourself. <laughs> you said <laughs> well, it yourself. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take a short break. Four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred star six forty on sale. You got questions about your pain, your uh, physical issues? Bring them on. You still got some time till twelve o'clock. Doctor Pain Show right here, Global News Radio six forty Toronto. And you want to reach out outside of the hour of the show, info at paincarecanada.com. And there's always one 855 doctor Lou D-R-L-O-U. But back to this phone call. Gordon, how are you? Good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. What's going on? Well, Dr. Lou, uh, I've been uh, medically diagnosed with uh, degenerative disc disease. Mm. Uh, consequently, I now have uh, spinal stenosis uh, in uh, L4S1, L5S1. Okay. Um, I was told by my GP that it is Aquinas syndrome. However, the orthopedic surgeon begged to differ. Uh, regardless of that fact, um, the orthopedic surgeon wanted to go in and do the spinal fusion right away, of which I was hesitant to uh, do in large part uh, to the failed back surgery syndrome. Uh, I am a 59-year-old man, overweight and out of shape. Um, I, I, as I say, I'm hopeful to take baby steps towards that end should it become absolutely necessary mm-hmm. right. for, for me to get to the spinal fusion. Now, question. Uh, one of the options was a laminectomy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other was a discectomy. And during the interim, I will be going to Toronto. I live up here um, in the Midland Penetanguishene area. And... Um, I will be getting a lower lumbar epidural injection here within the next two weeks. Could you put uh, in simple, like, almost uh, layman-like terms, if I could use that expression, the difference between a laminectomy and a discectomy and how invasive hmm. are they? Yeah, so the so what they are is the... So you'd have to understand the anatomy of, of the, the vertebrae, but the lamina are essentially the extensions of bone that enclose the spinal cord, I guess is the easiest way for me to try to describe it on the radio, a lamectomy is when they, well, where they will cut out that piece of bone to create space for uh, the spinal cord. Whereas when they remove the disc, um, they're removing the disc and the disc is a, is a soft tissue structure in between the vertebrae. My assumption would be that in a scenario where you have spinal stenosis, they would probably opt out to open up the lamina um, versus the disc. Now, I'm also, you know, we've also had on the show before Dr. Carlo Amendolia, who's an expert on spinal stenosis at Mount Sinai. Um, I think there's more worthwhile options for you to try before surgery um, in terms of uh, the rehabilitation approach uh, for for spinal stenosis. And that might be potentially a, a first, a, I mean, I'd have to see you in order to be cer- certain. I'd have to review how bad your stenosis is, but I would I would like to think that you should always uh, opt out for more conservative measures before you go to uh, the more invasive measures. Okay, well, thank you for uh, making that a little more simplified for me. No problem. It. Uh, and uh, we certainly do have uh, one great big pile of snow up here, and I can't even <laughs> go outside and snow blow at all because my back's too damn sore. That's right, right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, gentlemen. No problem. Thank you, Gord. Uh, appreciate that. Again, you want to reach out, please do one eight five 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 doctor Lou D-R-L-O-U. Vish, good morning. How are you? Good morning, guys. Uh, I'm doctor. I have two 10-millimeter tear in each shoulder. Okay. I'm, I'm currently getting shots to, me, uh, to control the pain. I think it's cortisone. I can't remember now. Yep. And it, it lasts 
the shots last between uh, two months, three months. Okay. And I currently I have to go back to get another shot. Besides I these am, shots, what else are you doing, Vish? Uh, I've been trying to stretch it out. Are you doing formal therapy with anybody? No, not as yet. All right, you got to give me a call and you got to start some formal therapy because okay. you, you just doing the shots is is just so. It's it's funny with cortisone. So there's not, there are times where I suggest to people to have cortisone injections. I actually had a patient who had a similar type of injury to you, a shoulder issue. They're yeah. in so much pain that they can't move their shoulder. Basically, it's getting to that point. Yeah, my physiotherapy team, unfortunately, can't do very much with them because of how much yeah. pain they're in. Wow. So they got the cortisone injections. Why? Not just so that they can go home and hope that it goes away on its own because it won't. They got a cortisone injection in order to be able to do the therapy. So to get and, the pain level down to realistic. Correct. So that right. so that at the very least the physiotherapist yeah. can can go in there, move it around, and it's and it's bearable. It's not it's not absolutely gone, but it's definitely within a point where they can do those things. So, uh, you know, I would I would think that that is when you get a cortisone injection. Um, you should be oh, doing, okay. tr- be trying to do the therapy at that time. But give me a call. I see you're in Brampton, which is great because we have our new clinic there, um, and we can set you up with the right people to help you out. Definitely, Doctor. Okay. I'll be calling. Thank you. No problem. Thanks, Vish. Appreciate that. Again, one eight five 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 Doctor Lou D R L O U. Let's get uh, get Paulie in here before we uh, we break. Hey, Paul. Good morning. Hi there. How are you? Good, sir. What's going on? Uh, I'm just wondering. Um... Uh, when getting an assessment and such for back pain and uh, uh, neck headaches, all of that sort of thing, is it um, what's the difference between a chiropractor and an osteopath? Hmm, good question. Um, well, there's a lot of ways to to distinguish the difference. Number one, from an educational standpoint, a chiropractor has to do uh, an undergrad degree followed by uh, another specialized degree in chiropractic college of another four years. Uh, there's a one-year re- uh, residency program, so they're essentially doctors as classified by the government of Ontario. An osteopath, and, and the other big thing here is chiropractors are a regulated profession, which means that there's a, a regulatory body that protects the public um, from the profession. And that's that's a big distinguishing factor in what a profession is. Osteopathy is, um, in in the States, it is very, a doctor of osteopathy is very much the same thing, but... Here, an osteopath is very different. It's a, it's usually a six-month program that can be done, I believe, straight out of high school, uh, part-time. I there The colleges are not regulated by a, a special ed- education board uh, like chiropractic colleges, and there's no regulatory body. It's still not regulated, which means there's not good protection for the public from the profession. So that's answer number one on the credential side of things. Answer number two on the side of the therapy interventions is uh, a chiropractor being a doctor will be able to differentially diagnose, which means that you may present to a chiropractor with low back pain, but the, the source of the problem may not be something that they could treat within their scope of practice. And they're going to be much better able, based on the differential diagnosis, to identify that and make the appropriate recommendations where an osteopath um, doesn't have that extensive training. And they're really working more on what are called mobilizations of joints, um, which is just putting motion through a joint. Um now we have osteopaths in the clinic um, that that deal with patients, so it's not like I'm I'm against osteopathy. I just think it very much matters that if you're going to see a standalone practitioner, that you understand those those big differences um, in the quality of of the professions, one versus the other. 
All right, that's great. Thank okay. you very much. No problem. That was one hell of an answer. Like was it? Head. That was nice. Yeah. That was pretty slick, son. <laughs> Not Thank bad. You. Your Thanks. phone calls, that's the type of uh, detail you get here. 416-870-6400, star 640. On your stell, still got uh, some time to call in. Dr. Payne Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. The case. Mm-hmm. And then um, I also have pain in my upper right um, uh, abdomen, which nobody knows why it's there. And um, so I'm just... And, and nobody can give me any answers. There's no pain meds that have worked at all. And right. um, I'm, I just I feel totally at the end of my rope here. Yeah. So, so, okay, I wouldn't say that, you know, your first comment about that it, overall doctors have been useless. I would disagree with that because, number one, when a patient, how old are you, uh, Rebecca? 22. 22. So you're young. So when a patient that's 22 years old has abdominal pain and, and uh, bloody stools, um, they've done the right things to investigate the more serious causes of that pain. So that, although you think that's nothing, that they may have not given you a specific answer yet, they are ruling out very serious causes that if they found, you would need immediate medical attention. So it's good that they haven't found anything serious. Um, that may very well mean that you you still have an issue. Of course, you have an issue. It just may not be something that is, um, you know, life-threatening or anything like that. So they're they're ruling out the most serious causes first. Um, and that's good. And and you said this started in December. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's overall relatively new. It yeah. does take time um, to diagnose these types of things properly. But the proper diagnostic process is rule out the most serious causes and move towards the benign causes of this type of issue. And when they're saying things like potentially IBS, IBS can absolutely cause those types of symptoms. Um, and so that is more of a benign cause. Now, that doesn't mean when I say benign, I just mean it's not life threatening. Um, it's a, obviously, you know, bothers you and there's discomfort, but you need to assess those types of things. So, um, and if it does end up becoming IBS, then there's also a component of another big thing with, uh, with gut issues is the amount of stress people have. And I can just hear based on your voice, how stressed you are around all of this. And that's not going to help your symptoms either. Um, and, and I'm not just saying just stop stressing out cause it's not that easy. Uh, but you do have to consider that those types of, of issues are made worse especially when there's a lot of anxiety around this type of issue. But I think the diagnostic process that you're going through is correct. You still haven't gotten to the bottom, but give me a call and and I'll see if I can help guide you in a better direction or in a more appropriate direction. Good for another morning. Thank you, Rebecca. one 855 Dr. Lou, D-R-L-O-U, to uh, wrap it up. That's the number to call in. Info at paincarecanada.com. Till next time, Dr. Payne Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.